us today. Would you pray one more time and ask the Lord's word to speak to our hearts? I need it as a preacher. I need God to help me right now. And I think we all need to hear from God. Would you pray with me right now? Would you lift your voice? Father, I thank you for this great service. We have felt such an unction from you, Lord Jesus. We have felt such an anointing in this house. There have been so many that in praise and worship have testified of your goodness that we see all around, Lord, and your favor upon us. I pray in the next few moments that you will take your word, that infallible, eternal word of God, and would you let it find a lodging place in the heart of every man and woman, every young adult, every teenager, every child, every guest, every member, Lord. We are hungry to hear from you today on this great resurrection day, Lord. We want to hear what your spirit, your Holy Spirit is going to say to us. And we trust that that will happen in the next few minutes in Jesus' name. And everyone, would you say amen? God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for your participation in this service today. I speak to this on-site and online audience on Easter Sunday, 2022. And I am speaking with a grateful heart and full assurance. First of all, my heart is very grateful today. I am grateful because my children, both of them, are here with me today and here with my wife today. I am so thankful to have Landon home from college and Madison home from the missions field. So grateful to have my children with my wife and I this morning. So proud and thankful for them. I am grateful for health. And I am grateful for strength in my body on this Easter Sunday. I'm very thankful for new faces and faithful families that call this church home. I'm grateful for the many staff and the volunteers that are serving around this campus. I simply am grateful today. I also have full assurance this morning. Assurance, by definition, is a positive declaration intended to give confidence. This Jesus that we have sung about today, I've seen him work. This Jesus that we have worshipped in song and word today, I have seen him work, and I'm still watching him work. I've seen him heal sick bodies. I have witnessed him deliver those that are addicted and bound. I have seen him bring peace when there was nothing but trouble. I have watched him restore hope. And I have come to know over the years that Jesus does not come to harm us, but rather to draw us. Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is merciful. Jesus is compassionate. Jesus cares. 
I want you to think about this man named Jesus. It would seem fitting that on Easter Sunday, I would preach on Jesus Christ. He was a man who when he showed up, he changed things. He looked at lameness, and from lameness, he brought leaping. He looked at blindness, and from blindness, brought sight. He looked at deaf ears, and they were not too hard for him because from the deafness, he brought hearing. He looked at grief, sometimes deep grief, and Jesus brought comfort. He looked at sorrow, and in place of sorrow, he brought joy. And I am so thankful he looked at deadness. And deadness was not final. Deadness was not the ultimate. But he looked at deadness, and from deadness brought life. No wonder the Apostle Paul called this Jesus story quite literally the good news. When he said, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. I want you to notice what Paul declares about this good news, about this gospel. He said, first of all, you have received the gospel. He said, secondly, you are standing in the gospel. And thirdly, you are saved by the gospel. I have risen on this Resurrection Sunday to preach a message, not a flowery message, not a message just with oratory ability, but a good news message. A message that I pray you receive it today. And you can stand in this good news. And by it we can be saved. Oh, I got good news for somebody. If you need saving, you're in the right place today. If you need salvation in your mind, you're in the right place today. If you need salvation in just your mental faculties, you and I are in the right place. He went on to define what this gospel is. What is this good news? He said, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Everybody say, he died for our sins, according to the scripture, and that he was buried. Would you say he was buried? And that he rose again the third day. Everybody say, he rose again the third day. And that was according to the scripture. So Paul indicates That the gospel, the good news, the thing that you stand in, the thing that saves you is that Jesus died and Jesus was buried and Jesus rose again on the third day. Now I want you to take a casual look with me at this good news message of death, burial, and resurrection. Because it is unique to understand that in two of the three components Man has everything to do with it. Death of Jesus, man put Jesus on the cross. Burial of Jesus, man put Jesus' body in the tomb. But friends, when it comes to the resurrection, that's where the line is drawn. Because a man can kill a body and a man can bury a body, but a man can't resurrect a body. And so I've come to preach that the miracle of Jesus 
is not just that he died on the cross, thank God for that. Not just that he was buried in a tomb, thank God for that. But the power of the gospel is that death could not hold that man down. The grave could not hold him. The confines of a cemetery couldn't hold him. When God goes to work, he can do anything. Oh, I'm going to preach it like I feel it today. If he can overcome death, he can overcome anything. If he can overcome the grave, he can overcome anything. Death, that's man's power. Burial, that's man's power. Resurrection, that's God's power. Consider this with me today. If what we are talking about was simply a death and a burial, that would be called history. But we're not filling a sanctuary today because of history. Resurrection moves past the typical pattern of death and burial because resurrection overcomes the finality of the grave. Some sweet families in this room know what it is in the last few months to stand next to a grave. And there is a finality to that that is just, you really can't put it into words. It's the, it's the resting place. It's the final place. And yet we are worshiping and preaching about a Jesus who looked at a grave and said, I can overcome that. I am God in the flesh. Resurrection proves that you can start Again, resurrection does not speak of a life story. Resurrection declares life. There's a big difference between a life story and life. I want more than a life story. I want life and life more abundantly. And Jesus overcoming the grave and emptying out that grave proves he's got power over even death. Now, you see, empty graves are the power over death. It's not an isolated, singular subject in Scripture. In fact, there are nine other references in our Bible to people being raised from the dead. Did you know that? Now, you would expect me to preach today on Jesus coming up out of the grave because it's Easter Sunday. Would have been weird for me to get up here and say, I want to preach about the man who was thrown on Elisha's bones and he came back to life. Y'all would have scratched your head and said, did I miss something on the calendar here? Did pastor not get his second cup of coffee today? The widow of Zarephath had a son who died, 1 Kings chapter 17. And through prayer, the man of God, that son was raised from the dead. The Shunammite woman had a son in 2 Kings chapter 4. And through faith and prayer, that son was raised from the dead. I already mentioned it, an Israeli man who was cast on Elisha's bones. Think about that with me. The, the robbers that took his life and threw him in a cave thinking they had robbed him. They'd got everything valuable off of him. They throw him in a cave not realizing he is dead. He's, he's really dead. He's like real dead. And they throw him in the cave. And the moment that man hits the bones of that prophet. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to have that kind of power in your life? 
I'm, I'm, pre- I'm just going to get right down in our business today. Are you tired of just getting by? Are you tired of just barely making it? Are you tired of just kind of going through the motions and letting life kind of ebb and flow? I'm not talking about not having bad days, but you and I have something available to us that a man was thrown in a cave. Think about this with me. A man was thrown in a cave, and when his body hit the bones of that preacher, life came back in him. Can you imagine what those robbers must have thought? When they threw the man in the cave dead, and he comes walking out alive. Oh, I'm praying that something will get up in our spirit today. That we'll believe that if God can do that for that man, and God can do that for the Shunammite widow's son, and God can do that for the widow of Zarephath's son, he can bring something back to life for me. He can bring life back in me when nothing else will work. Jesus raised the widow of Nain's son from the dead. He raised Jairus' daughter, Luke chapter number 8. He, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd been dead for four days. Everybody's standing at the tomb when Jesus said, take me to the tomb and I'm going to raise him. He's just sleeping right now. They looked at him and they said, hey, please, please have mercy on all of us. He's been dead for four days. Surely, and I love the way the King James Version says that, surely he stinketh. Some of you parents are going to use that in the spring when your kids come in from playing outside. Surely you stinketh. Lazarus, come forth. Who was it that was calling Lazarus out of that grave? It was the same Jesus that a few months later would be in a grave. And after three days, he would be resurrected through the power of the Spirit of God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad he called him by name. Because if he had simply said, come forth, every grave would have opened up. Why? Some of y'all just got that right there. Some of y'all just, Tammy, somebody just tapped into that right there. If you and I could ever understand The power that is available to us right now. We are in the presence of a Jesus that overcame the finality of death. So he can do anything. Look at your neighbor and say, he can do anything. Look at someone else and say, are you awake yet? Good morning. Saints in Jerusalem, Jesus resurrected. They came walking out of their graves. Tabitha. Otherwise known as Dorcas, Acts chapter 9, raised from the dead. Eutychus, preacher was so long-winded in Acts chapter 20, he fell out of a window, fell slap dead on the ground. Paul went over. God had mercy on the long-winded preacher. Said, if you're going to preach a long time, I'm going to still let the power of God work through you. Raised him from the dead. The the, the raising of the dead is all throughout Scripture. And during Jesus' earthly ministry... He even commissioned his 12 apostles to do, among other things, raise the dead. It was Jesus that prophesied about his own death, his burial, and his resurrection. In Mark chapter 9, he said, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. John chapter 2 and 19, Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple. 
And in three days I will raise it up. He's standing at the temple of Solomon. And he said, take the temple down. Destroy it. Go ahead and destroy it. In three days I'll raise it back up. In verse 20, the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? Are you that good of a contractor? Verse 21, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. It was the prophet Isaiah that under the inspiration of God in the 25th chapter of his prophetic book in verse 7, he said, and he, coming of, speaking of Messiah, will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, the rebuke of his people, for he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken it. That was Isaiah way back in the old covenant. And then it is the apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying in Isaiah, death is swallowed up in victory. And he finishes this great discourse with a question. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Because Jesus' life on earth was miraculous from the beginning, the incarnation, all the way to the ending, the resurrection. According to Paul, the entire Christian faith hinges upon the centrality of the resurrection of Jesus. He called it a hope that is not in this world, but in another world. He said, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. We've got hope because of the resurrection. We've got hope today because of the resurrection. In the 18th century, a German physicist did something that was world-changing. He invented a scale of measuring temperature based on the freezing and boiling points of water. After some old-fashioned scientific testing, Daniel Fahrenheit settled on a scale that set 32 degrees as the freezing point of water and 212 degrees as its boiling point. Now notice, he did not start with preferences, and he did not start with opinions. He started with the absolute truth of when water freezes and when water boils. And then he built his scale around those truths. He discovered the truth 
about water by proving it many times and then found a way to measure when it changed states. Now I'm going to confess something to you. I am not a physicist. But if I had been the first one to quantify when water freezes or when water boils, I would have wanted to share that information. It's kind of information that can be crucial. It's actually a truth that could save lives. You might even argue that someone with that kind of knowledge is morally obligated to share it with mankind. Because the truth benefits everybody. Some truths need to be shared. Now, this is an intelligent audience. Suppose for just a minute on this Sunday morning that the morning news announced that someone now believes that water freezes or boils at a different temperature. They might be famous. They might be smart. But we would all be confident that they are wrong. Suppose a group of colleges or the Supreme Court of our country or a legislative body declared today that water actually freezes at 20 degrees Fahrenheit. They too would be dead wrong because the truth has been proven far too many times. Truth, brothers and sisters and ladies and gentlemen, is not socially or politically adaptive. No particular group owns the truth. No group of people can make up the truth. Nobody, not even some large, powerful group of people, can change the fact that water changes state when it does. See, God established that, and then man figured out how to measure it. Fahrenheit discovered the truth about water by proving it many, many times. And so today, I cannot miss this. Today, we cannot miss what I'm getting ready to say. Many times it's easy to segment the resurrection to a tomb in Jerusalem or a stone that has been rolled away. But hear me today, there was a purpose and an action in the resurrection which was necessary to make this Resurrection Sunday meaningful to you and to me. So the question has to be asked, what does Jesus' resurrection have to do to me on Sunday morning? I will give you not the words of Tim Gaddy, but I will give you the words of the Bible. What does the resurrection have to do with me? Is it a truth? Has it been proved time and time again? I would say unequivocally yes. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a truth that must be shared. And it is a truth because it has been proven time and time and time again. Let me share God's word with us this morning. 
Paul said, if there was no resurrection, then my preaching would be empty. But I'm here to declare, you may call this self-serving, this preaching is not empty today. Because I am not preaching my ability. I am not preaching your ability. I am not preaching finite ability. I am preaching the word of the Lord. And about this great man named Jesus, God manifest in the flesh. And so my preaching is not empty. And according to scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14, my faith is not empty. I can, through my faith, access the supernatural power of God. It's as though God has a smorgasbord laying here before us. And he says, what do you need? I've got it for you today. The avenue that gets me from that to the smorgasbord is not my ability or my charisma. It is my faith to say, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you have orchestrated Easter Sunday 2022 at New Life Cabot to put something in me that helps me go on a little bit further. It's faith. What does the resurrection mean to me? It means that I am not still in my sins. We're going to take a time out and thank him for that right now. If that is your story, thank you, Adam, for preaching with me right now. If that is your story, if you are in this holy and sacred house and you are glad that you are not in your sins anymore, the resurrection can be thanked for that because he came up out of that grave. I am not in my sins anymore. Come on, somebody. Let's thank him for that. Let's praise him for that. Let's glorify him for that. I'm changed, I'm different, I'm set free, I'm free today. I don't have to be bound anymore. Praise God. What does a resurrection have to do with me? It gives us an assurance that the dead in Christ have an appointment with their own resurrection. When the trump of God sounds, Printer Plumley is coming up out of that grave. When the trumpet sounds, Bill Harden is shooting up out of that grave. When the trumpet sounds, Daryl Caps is going to come flying out of that grave. Why? Because Jesus came out of that grave. And if Jesus came out of that grave, he said, if that spirit dwells in you, that dwelt in me, that spirit will quicken your mortal body. You're going to get up out of here. That grave is not going to be your final resting place. Brother Jason, your daddy's coming up out of that grave. Your loved ones in Christ are coming up out of that grave. We have that appointment. Because of the resurrection. What a joy that is. What a hope that is. Now, 
I don't know who it's going to be, but I do know the Bible also says that some, because Jesus came up out of that grave, will have an appointment with the catching away of the church. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, Jesus was the first fruits of resurrection. So there's coming a day, and I believe it's coming soon, that according to the Bible, the trump of God is going to sound. And the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Cemeteries and graves are going to be emptied around this world. And then we, which are alive and remain. <laughs> Woo. Now, you're going to have to just pardon me. If I haven't met you yet, I really am a normal guy. I can just get pretty cranked up about Jesus. But I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be some people. I kind of got a feeling there's going to be people in this room, in this group. That when that trumpet sounds, you want to know how quick the twinkling of an eye is? Watch this. Thank you, Brother John. Quicker than that. <laughs> Hang on, I got to give you a high five for that one. That was good. Thank you. That's preaching with the pastor right there. But one of these days, I'm going to lay this body down. I wonder if there's anybody in the house, you're just a little bit anxious for that to happen one of these days. You're going to lay the hurting body down. You're going to lay the sorrowful body down. You're going to lay the pain down. You're going to lay the anguish down. You're going to lay all the, the sorrow and all the disappointment, all the things that cause us to cry. We're going to lay it down. And we're going to be caught up to be with him in the air. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm planning on it. Now listen, if I pass away and y'all have my funeral and I'm laying right there, you can say, well, he was planning on it. But the Lord had other plans. But if he doesn't take me by the way of the grave, brother Isaiah, I am making up in my mind. I'm not, I'm not going to miss that. I'm not going to miss that resurrection. I'm not going to miss that catching away. And because Jesus came out of that grave, the Bible says some will have that appointment. Now let me draw to a close. Because of the resurrection, what does it have to do with me? Jesus' resurrection means that I can be baptized with a, that same spirit that filled Christ. I can have true life. Paul said to the Romans in Romans 8, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He said to the Romans in chapter 6, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Now here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to be very deliberate with what I'm asking right now. In just a moment, I'm going to have us all stand. 
I've already assured you of what will and will not happen as we call people forward today. And we'll come as a whole group. But in just a moment, I'm going to have us stand. And I'm going to ask you if you would just please indulge me by when we stand not leaving yet. Don't worry, I'm not trapping you in here. But I want to respect the sacred nature of what God is speaking in people's lives right now. So in just a moment, I'm going to have us stand. And when we stand, would you come and just let us pray together before we leave on this Easter Sunday? And we've got good, it's 20 minutes till 12 right now. You can get to the restaurant, you can get home, I promise you. But the Spirit of the Lord is going to touch us right now. And we're going to get to pray together. Everybody good? Would you stand? And would you step out and come? You can come to the front. You can come down in the aisles. You don't have to be a member of this church to respond. In fact, everybody, would you come? Would you come? Just quickly. Step up as close as you can. quickly. There's people coming from the risers. People coming from all over. Okay, so pastor, I'm here. I'm going to get my picture with my family here in just a second. Good. Hope you get a bunch of them. Get someone to take them and like hold the button down. Get like 50 of them. What do you have in mind? What do you, what do you want from me? There's just two things. We're going to pray in just a minute, but two things. Number one, I want every person here today to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to believe that Jesus got up out of that grave. See, I, I've been to Israel a couple times in three years ago or four years ago when we went. We went to where they say the tomb is. They probably can't tell for certain because it's been so long, but they say the tomb is. And Pastor Nate was up here, and it exactly says that at the tomb. It says, you go in the tomb. Do we have a picture? Lane, do you have a picture of that? that that's, that's where we were. And then show the picture of the next picture. That, that's the inside of the, the garden tomb. And, and so they have it kind of fenced. Isn't that amazing? They have it fenced off. But supposedly that's where Jesus laid his head. Now, there's an interesting thing there. The way they would lay a Jewish body in the tomb is they would put the body in the tomb and then where the head was laying, they would come on the fourth day and they would kind of chisel it out a little bit to let the body lay a little bit more relaxed. So they'd chisel out that. But if you notice when you go in that tomb, and again, I'm not making doctrine out of this, but when you go in that tomb, Jackie, there's no chiseled edge because he didn't give them a chance. <laughs> he got up too quick. But I want us to believe that that tomb is still empty because that's the axis, that's the catalyst for all this stuff I've been preaching. If we believe he rose from the dead, my preaching's not empty. My faith is not futile. I don't have to still be in my sins. 
If I die in the Lord, I can get up out of that grave when the trumpet calls for me. I can be filled with the same spirit that filled Christ. That's why I want us to believe that. And secondly, I want us to let the resurrection get personal. I want to lay down my dead self. I want to let him empty that grave. I want to start anew. I want to repent. I want to submit to burial and baptism. I want to be filled with his spirit. And so as I was finishing preparing for this Easter Sunday, I was actually looking back over several Easter Sunday messages that I have preached. And I told the Lord in prayer, Brother Darrell, I said, well, this is not going to be the same as other Easter Sunday messages at the end. But the Lord said, I want you to follow what I'm saying right now. Because there are people in this house right now, if we will repent, he will start something in us that will amaze us if we'll commit to it. If we'll just start there. I want you to bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died. I believe that you were buried. I believe that you rose from the dead. And you are alive today, right now. This is good news personally for me today, Jesus, because you showed the example first. If I die out to myself, if I am buried with you in baptism, I can be raised to new life today. I can start again. New life can come for me. Jesus, I lay all my wrong at your feet today. I repent. I turn around and I walk away from those wrong things and I ask you to forgive me for them. And I trust that according to your word, the Bible, if I ask you to forgive me, you forgive me. And I thank you for this. I don't want to live in a grave any longer. I want to be free. I thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me I trust in that resurrection and that forgiving power today in Jesus name Amen it's going to be a new day today for somebody it's going to be a new day for somebody you know what, if you feel comfortable, just, just connect with somebody that's near you. Maybe your family's there with you. Just grab them by the hand, put an arm on their shoulder. Say, this is a new day. This is a new day. Let's pray for one another right now. Let's pray for one another right now.
Come on, some of you feel that happening right now. There, there's an anointing of God in this house. ahead and give voice to that prayer right now. Go ahead and give voice to that prayer right now. That's the Holy Spirit that we feel working among us right now. It's not not weird, it's not scary, it's not mystical. It's the reach of the Lord for our lives right now. It's the draw of the Holy Spirit in our lives right now. That's what we feel. That's what we feel making us emotional right now. He's drawing to us. He's calling to us right now. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me, Lord Jesus. It's a new day today. It's a new start today. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. It's a new day today. I'm going to walk out of here different than when I walked in. Come on. Come on. That's it. You turn morning to dancing. You're the only one who can. Come on, sing it again. to have been in your presence today, Lord, in this worship service. We don't take it for granted, God. We don't presume on it today. But we pray that you would be here and you have answered that prayer. Go with these great people that are in this sanctuary and those that are watching online, Lord. I pray that this new day would start, Lord, in our lives. And it would begin a walk with you or renew a walk with you that takes us places only you can take us, Lord. Thank you that you're alive today. Thank you for your resurrection. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We're so glad that we know you, Jesus. Keep your hand on your people. 
Bless your people, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So there are people that are still praying, and we're going to respect that. You just keep on praying. Our team is going to bring the backdrop in here. We'll have a really good area for pictures right up here. So if you want to take some pictures, hang around long enough to do that. Whenever you'd like to be dismissed, you can. Happy Easter, everybody. Have a great, great Sunday. Amen. He's alive. I'm thankful for it.